and welcome to the Black and White Podcast. I'm Denise Pass, along with my co-host, Angela Donadio, and this week we are grateful and excited to have Caleb Kaltenbach with us to share about his book, Messy Grace, How a Pastor with Gay Parents Learned to Love Others Without Sacrificing Conviction. Caleb Kaltenbach is a pastor, founder of the Messy Grace Group, and the author of Messy Grace and God of Tomorrow. He speaks widely on issues of faith, reconciliation, and sexual diversity. Caleb is a graduate of Talbot School of Theology, Biola University, and received his doctorate from Dallas Theological Seminary. He and his wife, Amy, have two young children and reside in Southern California. Guys, this book is so needed today and is such a great resource for both Christians and people in the LGBT community. It is that answer we've been looking for on how to have these difficult conversations. Welcome, Caleb. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, we are so honored to have you join us today, Caleb, and we know you have so much wisdom to speak into this topic. Thank you for joining us. Absolutely. So the scripture for this episode is taken from 1 Corinthians 6, verses 17 through 20. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. This scripture does not mince words. We know our God is holy. We know that we house the Holy Spirit and that our kind, loving God laid down his life for us. We also know that we are all sinners and fall short of his incredible glory. This scripture is for everybody. We know his principles, and yet how are we to communicate his incredible grace and truth so people can receive it? If I go share this scripture with someone who believes, for instance, that they cannot help the way they are made, will that truly help them to come to God for salvation? These are the struggles Christians face. We have this precious truth and don't want to bash anyone with it, but we need to share it. We're compelled to share it. We want people to taste the freedom from sin that we have experienced, but it is like we don't speak the same language sometimes. The LGBT community feels judged by Christians, sometimes rightly so, and the Christians feel they cannot speak truth because they might be judged. This is where I think God can really use your message, Caleb. You know, Caleb, you were raised by LGBT parents, marched in gay pride parades as a youngster, and experienced firsthand the hatred and bitterness of some Christians toward your family. Can you share some of your testimony and how you came to Christ and came to write this book as well? Uh, Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, You know, my parents were both professors at University of Missouri, Columbia. And when I was two years old, they divorced and both went into same-sex relationships. My uh, mom was in a 22-year monogamous relationship with a psychologist named Vera. But on the other hand, my dad was in several different relationships. And so my whole life, I was raised in that Mm. LGBTQ community. And I, my mother and her partner were uh, activists. They were very outspoken. They took me with them to pride parades, campouts, house parties, um, 
clubs when I was in uh, elementary school, middle school. And at some of the pride parades, for instance, I really saw the ugliness of some who claimed to be Christians holding up signs saying, God hates you. God wants nothing to do with you. And uh, I just thought to myself, there's no way that I ever want to be a Christian because Mm -hmm. if Christians are this bad, I can't imagine how awful Jesus must be. And, um, you know, I saw Christians ignore their young sons who were dying of AIDS back in the 1980s. And by the time I got to high school, my life was out of control. And I ended up um, going, being invited to this Bible study for high schoolers. And I thought to myself, this is going to be perfect. I'm going to go and I'm going to pretend to be a Christian. I'm going to be a ninja Christian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm going to learn about the Bible and I'm going to dismantle their, you know, their beliefs. And actually, it was the other way around. Uh, the more that I learned about Jesus, the more that I realized that he had very deep theological convictions and expectations for how we should live our lives. But he also had very real uh, uh, relationships with people who were nothing like him. And they actually liked him back. And uh, I started to study what the Bible had to say about uh, sexuality, marriage, relationships. And I came to two conclusions I still hold today. One is that God designed sexual intimacy to be expressed in marriage between a man and a woman. And anything outside of that design is not part of his design. It's what we would call sin. But on the other hand, I also came to believe this. That, our, that a theological conviction must never be a catalyst to devalue another human being. That what we believe about Jesus should drive us further to people, not away from people. That our differences with people should drive us to dialogue, not to run away from people. And uh, uh, that, that's just a brief snippet of the beginning part of my testimony. Wow. Thank you, Caleb. Thank you for sharing that. And I just could not agree more with you. And um, why do you think we've gotten so far off from being able to dialogue instead of just disagree and, and it has become almost volatile to try to have these conversations? I think it's because I I think it's a few different reasons. One, I think that uh, one reason is because we don't see the difference between acceptance and approval Mm. or acceptance and agreement that I think that we are commanded by God as Christians to be accepting. In other words, I'm going to love people no matter what, no matter what they've done. I'm going to love them where they are. I mean, that's what Jesus says in Matthew 5, 38 through 48, and Romans 12, 9 through 18. Uh, that's what Jesus, that's what the author of Hebrews says in Hebrews 12, 14. Seek to be in harmony with one another. Mm. It's uh, what Paul says in Romans 2, uh, 4, when he says, uh, don't you know that it's the kindness of God that has led you to repentance? And I think mm. to myself, if God's kindness has led us to repentance, shouldn't my kindness lead other people to God. And so I think that just like the some extremists in the LGBTQ community cannot see the difference between acceptance and agreement that if you don't agree with my decision to be in this relationship, then you're not accepting of me. Mm. And I feel like there are some Christians who say, if you accept someone, if you're kind, if you're loving, if you welcome them, if so on and so forth, 
then basically you're agreeing with them. And I don't know about you, but I've always found that authentic true love is always built on acceptance, never Mm. agreement. Cheap love is built on agreement. Mm. Um, We're commanded by God to be accepting. And so I think that Christians who fail to see that distinction uh, between acceptance and agreement will often end up being volatile towards others. Wow, that is so insightful. Thank you so much, Caleb. Yes, you know, I think a lot of times we feel like it's compromise if we accept people like we're accepting the sin. But, you know, the mere fact that we were accepted, mm. we were enemies of Christ, and we forget that, I think. You know, we think, well, we've been redeemed, and therefore we can look at other people uh, in their unredeemed state and judge them. And so I, I think it is, uh, you hit on a really important point there. You know, you mentioned in your book how Christians are afraid to reach the LGBT community. What do you think Christians are the most afraid of? And are the LGBT afraid of Christians? I think to some degree, both groups, both, uh, let, me, let me rephrase that, extremists in mm. both groups are afraid of each other. And we have this society that's run by false dichotomies right now where people don't think that they have a voice unless they're an extremist. Mm-hmm. And I think that false dichotomies always are birthed out of fear and they create more fear. But I, but when you think about it, uh, you and I, Christian or not, we are going to naturally fear whatever it is or whoever it is that we can't understand or make us feel out of control. So when we feel, when we meet a person, a people group, a situation that we may not understand or may make us feel like we don't have control, we are naturally going to fear that. And when most people are fearful, they don't engage empathetically. Mm. You know, they, they don't lean in. They back away somehow. They back away by trying to control the situation. They back away by running away. They back away by, you know, trying to do everything else, but deal with it. Uh, but we need to lean in if we're fearful for two reasons. Number one, if we, if we don't understand something and we feel out of control, then we need to lean in and trust God who knows everything and has all control and is all powerful and is all sovereign. I mean, that's number one. But number two, what I said about acceptance, um, you know, is really what I'm talking about, empathy. We need to be empathetic towards people, and you can't be empathetic from a distance. Mm-hmm. I think the author Brene Brown does a great job of, um, of defining empathy when she says that empathy is to feel with another person. And Reggie Joyner, who's the CEO of Orange, used to be on staff at North Point with Andy Stanley. He says that empathy is the ability to put your own thoughts and feelings on pause long enough to think and feel with another person. Hmm. I really think we need empathy. That is so great. And and thank you, Caleb. And I was just thinking of a couple of things. That's It's so true that it's easy to argue with someone. It's not easy to feel empathetic with someone. And, and when you're saying that the, the extremist voices then get the loudest, what that kind of tends to do is silence the voice of a lot of people who probably do truly have empathy and they just either are not getting their voice heard or they're just giving in. And um, I work with a lot of um, situations in in different parts of Africa where I'm working with 
um, is, you know, members of Islam. And we have a church in a very heavily Islamic area in northern Ghana. And, and I could have basically said exactly what you just said about the people that, that we have, you know, worked alongside of in these communities. Because fear is a powerful motivator, but it also taints every single decision that comes from fear. And that's why I think it's so critical that the Bible says his perfect love drives out fear. Fear should never be our motivator. And if we're doing what God has called us to do, he will equip us in those situations. And it's so easy for me, it would be easy for me to stand back from a distance and be critical of Muslims. But when I'm on the front lines with them and I'm engaging in dialogue and I'm engaging in relationship, then the ability to be empathetic is a lot stronger. And then we don't get the luxury of hiding behind our fear and letting that be our motivation rather than truly loving people. And you think about Jesus, Caleb, as you're saying that he was so hands-on. I remember one of my first messages I ever preached was Jesus gets his hands dirty. And he was not loving people from a distance. He was loving people up close and personally involved in the messy dynamics of their life. And and why should we be any different? That's the kind of love he's called us to give. And as a pastor's wife, it's been a top priority to us in our church that everyone feels welcome in the walls of our church. It's it's part of our value statements. And, and our core statement is that change happens here. We want everyone to experience the life-giving, transformative message of the gospel, not to be paralyzed by fear. That's just so good. You know, as you're talking and I'm thinking about this empathy, I'm also thinking about self-examination. You know, if I look at myself and I say, have I been Mm -hmm. fearful? And yes, I have. Um, I chose to home educate my children uh, partly due to the fact that I know it's so hard to maintain a walk with God. The flesh is strong and the people can be influenced. And so my heart was to protect my children. But in there too, if I'm really honest, mm. was, I, hey, I don't really know how to deal with this. And I think we're talking more about the extremists, you know, just to be uh, transparent here. You know, how do I approach them? And they're trying to, you know, steal my children's hearts. You know, these are the thoughts that a mom has. And mm. and to be able to, and one thing that I started to change the conversation with my kids was, hey guys, you know, we're not called to judge anyone. We are called to discern, you know, and then check our own hearts. But there were definitely times where I just didn't know how to, you know, they're so young, you know, you don't, you want to protect them and help them to walk in wisdom. And you say, well, maybe later we'll talk about that mm. <laughs> because are you really ready for that conversation? And I think it, the conversation should start when they're real little. Can I just ask your thought on that, Caleb? As she was saying that, what is your response? My daughter's a musical theater major, so this is a very prevalent um, discussion in our home. And what is your what is your response to someone who says, well, then you're you know you're just being judgmental? How how would you guide a Christian who really does want to walk lovingly and with empathy, um, not to not to come across judgmental, but to maintain their convictions, like you've mentioned in, in your book? I think I would uh, ask them, I, would, I think I would guide them to do a few different things. Number one, I think that I would tell them treat 
your friend or your loved one uh, the same way that you would treat anybody else. Mm. Um, you don't, and obviously you guys would say the same thing, but you know, um, just because we disagree with someone's uh, choice to be in a certain kind of relationship or to express themselves sexually in one way or another, that doesn't determine the value of someone. Mm. Everybody that you and I see has equal value because everyone is someone that God created and Jesus died for. Absolutely. And so uh, that's the first thing I would say. The second thing I would say is that I wouldn't force the conversation. I I just wouldn't. Mm -hmm. I would wait for God to open up those doors. I think the more that we force conversations, uh, the the worse it'll go. I think the more that we just treat people as we would treat anyone and do things for them and love them, I think that's an investment in their lives. And I think that investment always builds influence. Mm -hmm. Um, Number three, I'd say I think that we should become really good listeners. And I think that it's really hard to listen. I don't think the average person does it well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Number four, I think that we need to be better at asking questions. I think that most people myself included, don't know how to ask a really good question. And you can, you know, find this on Harvard Business Review. You can find this in uh, psychology articles, other thing. But there's, there's a lot of work right now <clears throat> being done on how do you ask a really good question. Because when you think about it, questions are really, uh, they don't make people feel like they're, they should be on guard. As if you tell someone to do something. When you ask somebody a question, it's self-reflective. Um, it makes mm-hmm. them process things, brings down their guard, allows them to speak into it, mm-hmm. as opposed to saying, thus saith the Lord. And I'm not saying that there isn't a time for that. There is. But I've found that the very best uh, times that I've had either giving or receiving difficult conversations, because we've all been on both ends of the spectrum. We've been the recipients of difficult conversations or we've had to give them. I found that the very best times that I've had to give them are the times when that relationship was really grounded in investments and influence where I had a voice in their life and um, love and trust so that they knew that I could say this, but I'm not going anywhere. Mm. Um, when we try to rush that, we hold ourselves to some kind of a schedule. Mm. Um, I think that we get in big trouble. Like when we say, well, I have to talk to this person, you know, within the next four weeks Mm. or else I'm letting God down. No, not at all. It was a process for the three of us to come to the Lord and our sanctification is a process from our salvation. That's true. Amen. Well, you know, I think too, uh, relationship is so important. That's what God has called us to. But part of empathy for me is people tend to label people right? Or themselves uh, based on, okay, well, that person is a blank. Instead of trying to understand what was it in their background that led them to that place? Because we all operate out of brokenness and we can see that fruit in our lives, you know, different decisions we make. Um, and, you know, we, we initiated this discussion about sexuality not because we want to be controversial, but God has called us to speak into this world. We're not called to be of this world, but we are in it. 
And how will we speak? And, you know, right now we see the public school system is speaking. Mm. We see even in the church, you know, uh, there's a lot of decisions being made. You know, will we be able to speak with grace, truth, and love? Because we need to have these conversations. We can't just shy away from them. The raw truth is that people are not reached by principles alone, but through relationship and empathy. The radical grace is that the kindness of God draws people to repentance. And the real hope, God makes a way of escape for us all when we are tempted. You've been listening to the Black and White Podcast, where we filter life through the Bible and live life in the freedom of truth. (laughs) 